Pod of Their Own. This is episode 183 of A Pod of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Sarovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So, um, as per usual with our off-season pattern where we reduce uh, shows to every other week instead of every week, we say to ourselves, it's the off-season. Not much can happen, right? And then everything they happens. Almost. They almost got enough for us to have to record during our off week. It was we were on the <laughs> on the brink there of having to be like, God damn it, we need a to conversation was had <laughs> really close, really close. Uh, but the boys needed- are back on their bullshit. <laughs> we needed the week, though, because, you know, we had just we were coming down off dollars for dingers. We, uh, you know, we, we needed the week, um, but. A lot has unfolded since we last recorded. Um, when we last recorded, Buck Show Walter had just been fired. Um, obviously, David Stearns had his introductory press conference. So, you know, we thought kind of, you know, eventually at some point in the offseason, they'll hire a new manager and that'll be that. They'll make some signings. But it did kind feel of, like we were entering an era of stability. Yeah, it did kind of feel like we were <laughs> done with uh chaos for a little while we uh ron howard voiceover we were not done with chaos um (laughs) almost immediately after we recorded last week or two it was real fast it was like a day later um billy epler unexpectedly resigned as general manager um and we had a day of limbo where he had just resigned and it was not expected at all um and the the line that he had given everyone was well i want david stearns to be able to pick his own gm which well, it I certainly guess, makes sense yeah to not sure. or not so much that he wants david Stearns, but like you want to work for who you want to work for and he doesn't want to work for him like it seems you know but for sure they had to go and then make it mess <laughs> yep um <laughs> So, and then, like, yeah, so it was kind of like, oh, I guess that's not that surprising, even though the news was unexpected. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. David Stearns wants to hire his own guy, yada, yada. And then I think it was less than 24 hours later, um, we learned that the Mets were being investigated for improper use of the injured list, (laughs) which, yeah, like, lol Mets, no matter how much money Steve Cohen has. Lol Mets will never die. <laughs> but I want to know is how bad was it? We don't know. that Because every team does this, right? Yes. So yes. what did Billy Epler do that was so egregious that other well, teams... Also, I mean, this is a side effect of it having been two weeks and my brain doesn't work like that anymore. But like, was then there was also buzz that there was something more or like... You know, yes. that they were, or that they were zeroing complained. in on the Mets for like, uh, I don't even remember, like, God, it was drama reasons. And that just sort of like dissipated. Like MLB was like, no, we're not. And that was the end of it. It was it's it's not like, the end of it. It was heavily implied in reporting. And I'm trying to remember who reported this. It was one of the 
Like it wasn't one of the national guys. It was like maybe Puma of the Post. I'll, Puma of the Post has been getting a lot of reporting lately. He is the guy Oops. who reported about the Dan Vogelbach drama with Buck Showalter and the Mets front office disagreeing about Dan Vogelbach's playing time and all that stuff like that. And yeah, I it might have been Puma of the Post reported that there was something else going on, but it was very vague. Like it wasn't, it wasn't concrete. And the Mets still have not, or anyone really have not come out and said that this probe into the Mets is the reason that Billy Epler resigned. They are still going with, we wanted David Stearns to pick his own guy. They are not saying that this is why he resigned, but it's hard to believe it's not why he resigned. (laughs) I was going to say, I don't think they commented at all on it. They did not. I think they just no. said, like, we wish him well or something. Yes. That has big, um, big ongoing investigation energy. Yes. Yes. So, you know, the Mets have a really good string of uh, general managers and ongoing investigations. <laughs> uh, and it continues now um, with a guy who's not even the GM anymore. But we're like, we don't know. We. It, at this point, as we record this on Tuesday night, October 17th, we do not know um, the results of the MLB investigation as of yet. We do know, like circling back to what Linda said about the Mets being investigated for something every team does. Yes, every team, pretty much every team, not every team, but almost every team does this to an extent. Including the Mets, like they definitely Including did do it. Oh, yes, absolutely. they did it. Yeah. There, were, there were quite a lot of um, back spasms this year. Um, and, and then same, yes, <laughs> like you're 35, you have back spasms. It's worth pointing out in the Mets case, and I have no idea that the thing that's unique about the Mets that we do at least know at this stage is that someone, someone went to the league and complained, is the report at this yes. point. And it's and unclear there was initial who. theorizing that it was Buck. Now, that I was Buck Showalter. Like, I it, it seemed unlikely that somebody who was hoping to work in baseball would like essentially publicly torpedo his GM on the way out. Like that yeah. just like there was nothing about that 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 seemed like a Buck Walter kind of move. So yeah. I was glad that dropped as well. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I don't know. Like I I sincerely doubt it, but I also like he also kind of went scorched earth with the talking to Mike Puma about Dan Vogelbach. And I'm sorry, that was a source close to the Mets or something. Yeah, right. But that was very clearly Buck Showalter. And like, yeah, I mean, and it's already also been reported by, I believe, Mike Puma of the Post that that Buck Showalter wants the Angels job. And it, it, even it, if Buck Showalter went full scorched earth and we find out later that it was Buck Showalter that spoke about the Mets misusing the injured list, that I, th- he, the Angels might be the only organization at this stage that would hire Buck Showalter, given but, that. Imagine like, taking a job from the Angels. Yeah. Jeez. But it just, it doesn't, like we mentioned on the last pod, Buck's been around baseball long enough to know how the game works. Yes, yes. So it just, it doesn't make sense that it would be. I can see it more coming from a player who might have gotten screwed out of service time or out of I think money. there were also, some of those said, like, it might have been a trainer. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, 
who like I guess whistle blew on the I, Mets. Like there's a trainer yeah. who clearly was treating fake injuries or not not like not seeing players who were supposedly injured. I guess. Um, in uh, I will say Mets. it was all very stupid and it was all very yes using and and there was just so much of it so fast I was not ready it is worth noting that in one particular case and I am not saying that this player had anything to do with you know the Mets being investigated or the or the or he tattled or anything like that but I will point out that in one particular case um, which is the case of Tim Locastro it had a significantly negative effect on him in the sense that the Mets clearly made up an injury for him initially um, to do roster manipulation, like they had been doing. Like the the Mets were clearly doing this. It's it it's it's very clear they did it with Tommy Hunter, they did it with Tim Locastro, they did it with I think Jimmy Yacobonis as well. He had that like calf strain. This was very clearly roster manipulation. They made up an injury for Tim Locastro, and then he actually injured himself like pretty badly in a fake rehab assignment. From his fake injury. So that and that cost oh, him months. Oh, months. Yeah, that God, was bad. Really months. Yeah. So in that case, like that's a guy who legitimately has a gripe with what they what they did. <laughs> um, so I'm not saying that he that he's the one who told there's no evidence, there's no reporting linking him to that, but I am just saying that I don't know, maybe the reason they're being investigated other than like they have it out for the Mets is that like in at least in this one case there was a significant negative impact on a player's career which is not good like the Mets should actually be held responsible for that but this does happen all the time and it is odd that the Mets in particular are being investigated and that the GM resigned over it because usually in the rare cases where this is like teams are punished for this they just kind of get a slap on the wrist and a fine and we never really find out about it. Um, but this is like being widely reported and the GM has resigned. And so that, as as we said earlier, kind of implies something potentially bigger. But we have no idea at this stage what it is. I I hope Billy Epler didn't do anything heinous, but can't put it past any of these guys at this no. point. I would love to say nothing could surprise me. But I have faith that something out there could surprise me. It's See the, the entire archive of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say it's uh, still the Mets at the end of the day that anything is possible they, with this they find a way. They, they do. Find they find a way. a way. The Mets find a way. They do find a way. Um, so, yeah, now in addition to having to find a new manager, the Mets are going to be hiring a general manager to work under David Stearns. Um, we will find out who it is. There have already been like names floated around by people, but they I don't think there's any substantial reporting at this point on this. It's just like guys who were, you know, on their radar previously when they've because the Mets have made these searches recently many times. I mean, imagine looking at like, oh, the Mets are interested in me for their GM position. I wonder who's had that role recently. And like oh. looking at oh fucking Wikipedia or whatever. And it's like spinal tap drummers over there. Oh it's my the god, they have so many. And they're okay. just dropping like flies. 
It's the defense against the dark arts position. It really is. In theory, and like, I guess similar to the defensive defense against the dark arts position, it should be like a desirable post with with now that Steve Cohen owns the Mets, but it's cursed. So I don't know. But Um, I don't Come on down. But I'm generally kind of, manage our baseball team. Yes. <laughs> I do kind of wonder if this is, you know, in a roundabout way for the best, because now Stearns does get that clean slate. He probably wouldn't have if Epler stayed. So I'm not happy that Epler's moved on, but I do worry that because of whatever this is, yes. that it's not going to be a clean slate. That yeah. it's going to be some bullshit. That like yes. now there's another thing. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think, I think if if all this is is some roster manipulation that they got caught for, and they're going to get a fine or whatever, and that's the end of it, then I think that it low key in the long term is probably good for the organization because I don't think Billy Epler was very good at his job outside of, you know, the tapping into the Japanese market um, and those things that he was particularly good at. Um, But if it's anything beyond that and the Mets end up being punished in a more substantive way, then it, hurts the organization in the long term because they can like lose a draft pick and stuff over this potentially if it's worse than just you also have to make sure that david stearns is 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 the guy because now it is all on him yeah yeah and if he makes starts making the wrong decisions then now you're pushing the organization even further back like i think he's the right guy and you know, everything about him says he is, but now I mean, there's just... no continuity there now either. And I feel like they've gotten caught they've gotten caught before like um waiting too long into the off season to yeah, find yeah. a GM that has made it hard for them to be competitive in the market during kind of the hottest times for free agents and trades. And so, you know, I mean, obviously they have someone in David Stearns who can take on that role in an interim manner, but like you, that's not what you want. That's not, not that's not what he's there for. You, you want somebody who's like at the GM meetings, like talking with players and agents and like thinking about years and thinking about options. And then David Stearns being like, we need more optionable arms, except he wouldn't say that because he's not an idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Because uh, I think that if I recall, Steve Cohen... When Steve Cohen took over the Mets, it was already like November or something like that, I think. And so they were already pretty late in there. I thought it was December. I thought it was. It might have been even later. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it was definitely one of those things that went on for a while, and you didn't totally believe it was ever actually going to happen because of everything ever. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah. That's and then right after that, then they had to fire Beltran right before spring training oh God, started. <laughs> so it seems like just it's been turmoil. It feels like that was a decade as, ago. It's almost as bad to be a manager as it is to be a GM. But the Mets GM position truly is the one that is totally cursed. Like Zach Scott was a thing. Oh, Jared yes, Porter. That was a thing. Jared Porter. Oh. <laughs> months. I mean... Then they had the three-headed GM for a while. 
We did. And Brody. Oh, <laughs> oh, God. And Brody, Brody Van Wagenen. Brody Van Wagenen. Who... The best of the bunch was Sandy Alderson just like right before he aged into absolute sludge. I was going to say Sandy Alderson, <laughs> like, like phase one, not Sandy yes. Alderson phases yeah, two return. and three. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Electric boogaloo. Oh, God. <laughs> too fast, too Alderson. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see what happens with all of that. Um, <laughs> talking about David Stearns and whether he's he will see if he makes the right decisions. Um, one of those decisions will be regarding Pete Alonzo. And there oh was boy. some news, news on that front as well. Pete Alonzo changed agents to Scott Boris, which caused everyone on Mets Twitter to have a goddamn meltdown. A lot of agita. <laughs> which it was. Whew. I don't think you guys need to have a meltdown over this. I'm just, like, it's. Is it does it make it slightly less likely that he stays a Met? Yeah, probably. Probably. But he is trying to get paid the most money. <laughs> so yeah, this is not surprising at all. Brandon Nimmo, if you recall, did the exact same thing and the Mets retained Brandon Nimmo. They did not. And Brandon extend- Nimmo also got like a reasonable salary that is also the kind of like upper general range of what most would pay for him and that's exactly what Pete should get he should get like a good solid big old check full of lots of money but he's not going to be going around like stomping his feet asking for 300 million that's not that's not what he is and that's not what despite his reputation that's not really what what Boris does anyway this all this indicates is that Pete Alonso is likely to not take a hometown discount um I mean Brandon Nimmo which he shouldn't do Brandon Nimmo um, didn't. Uh, Brandon Nimmo ended up playing things out to free agency and then signing a deal with the Mets. So it seems it seems like that might play out a similar way with Pete Alonso. So it probably decreases the chances that Alonso will get extended this off season. Though I don't think it's impossible, um, but it doesn't it doesn't mean that he's not going to stay a Met. It just means that it might happen next offseason instead of this offseason. And it'll just cost Steve Cohen more money. There's nothing that affects the fans at all. The Mets are fully capable of offering Pete Alonso the most money. (laughs) Period. Yes. Like, it's. I'm not worried about it. I'm just not. Like, if Pete Alonso isn't a Met anymore after next year, if he signs with another team, it's because the Mets didn't want him that bad not because they couldn't offer him the most money <laughs> yeah um which i mean there is there is reason to be skeptical of a long-term deal of pete alonso sure if you look at it from a baseball perspective like he's a right right first baseman who you know could look like the bad maybe like the ultra ultra bad albert pujols years when he's old um type of thing He's a power hitter who, when he's slumping and like he looks really, really, really bad. Um, but he's also the Mets franchise player and is homegrown, and there aren't and they're really- not paying a lot of players that far out. Like, that's the other thing is a lot yes. of their biggest money right now is expiring like soon, yeah, like a year or two. 
Francisco Lindor is essentially their only long, long term commitment at this time. Um, the only yeah, other like and Nimo and Nimo, like I would call Nimo and Sango like medium term commitments. Um, and yeah, and Lindor is the only like super long term commitment. That's really it. Um, yeah, that's really it. Uh, which means they also say, have I to mean... fill a lot through free agency, as we've discussed previously. Yeah, I mean, you have to figure that. I, it's hard not seeing them adding, and I don't know what exactly this would look like, but a big salary in the off season, like I, whether or not it's Otani, probably not, but you never know, but some kind of, it seems likely that they would give out some big money because they have some, like, why not? Yeah. Um, the other bit of Mets news that sort of just like came out of nowhere, um, is, it was all of a sudden just reported out of nowhere that Francisco Lindor had elbow surgery to remove a bone spur from his elbow. It was like, Surprise. It, and it was like after the fact, it was like Francisco Lindor is recovering from surgery. It's like, oh, cool. <laughs> and then he had the entire season. Yeah. Yeah. It he happened had a, in spring training. He had a 30, I will say, you know, the Mets, with a bone spur. You do know the Mets have turned a corner though, because, um, they he didn't have to get it against team orders <laughs> like Carlos Beltran <laughs> had True, true. So, like, congratulations <laughs> to the Mets organization for the bare minimum human garbage. <laughs> yeah, yep. Oh, I just something just popped into my head when we were talking about Brody Van Wagen, and I was like, oh yeah, he of let Zach Wheeler. Walk. Oh. oh. Two good half seasons. Two good half seasons. He turned two good half seasons into $118 million. Oh man, go to hell, Brody. And now he's and now he's quickly becoming one of the best postseason pitchers like of all time. Of all time. And I'm so happy for him. What a what a good dude. Yeah. What he had a he had a tough road with the Mets and he seemed to really handle it all really well. And God, I'm ugh. God, it's disgusting. So I'm bad. so, I hate it. I hate I'm so it. happy. I can't even like, I can't even get the words out. Like I'm happy that he's doing well. It just, it makes me feel so sick the whole thing. It's okay, so, but not for them. Anybody but the Phillies. Just the, God, they're all, except for the Braves. Except for the Braves, it. yes. Except yes. for the Braves. Like yeah. anybody but the two of them. Why? God damn Why? it. <laughs> so the, not, uh, the, ALCS and NLCS are underway. Uh, as we alluded to, the Phillies are in the NLCS against the Diamondbacks. Um, and the Diamondbacks, as we as we all suspected, are felony frauds are incapable of doing their job of beating the Phillies. <laughs> the Phillies did their job of vanquishing the Braves, and now uh, and now I have to like I had to like swallow like the bile in my throat to root for the Phillies. And now if, the I, if it comes down to the Astros again, so help me God. I come on, man. I cannot do another series rooting for the Astros. I know, I know. No, no. Instead, we're going to have to root for it. If we aren't rooting for the Astros, we're going to have to root for the only goddamn team in baseball without a pride night. And that has a bunch of that has <laughs> former Mets on it. 
I do kind of want Jacob DeGrom to get a ring, though, even though it would be kind of a weird BS one. I yeah. feel like. I know, I, but like. I like him. I know. I like but him. not like the first year after he leaves. It's not fair. I mean, yeah. think about, okay, so so obviously there's the Diamondbacks by default. Like, fine, whatever, Diamondbacks. I don't know. They're but frauds. then I feel like, but then I feel like, and at the bottom, obviously, like, Phillies, disgusting, unacceptable under any circumstances. And then, like, just above the Phillies, has got to be Astros because they're garbage, and they've already won a bunch. Like enough, and I'm so but bored of them. Garbage. Like no, no more Astros. I'm, I'm bored. So sick so of the Astros. Astros. I'm so sick of the Astros. And I'm, I'm so, so that sick. Does mean that like Rangers uh, got a slot in at second best? Yeah, like, I don't which think is there's unfortunate. any other argument for it. It's like it's, yeah, it's it's a it's a sad state of affairs. And really just from my perspective, I'm tired of logging onto Twitter and seeing Rangers and thinking about the the hockey rangers and then i get confused i'm personally, it's a very confusing time of year it is it's, thank god the giants are in the playoffs we could be here for days yeah. i'm personally very tired of logging onto twitter.com and seeing ted cruz's face so <gasps> i would prefer tired of logging onto twitter.com <laughs> it's like, true. i can't do it man I'm, the number of times i just like pick it up and put it down immediately oh my god a lot now it's good yeah, everything's just bad and awful. But I, I will say I'm thankful for the Phillies because immediately after being useful and vanquishing the Braves, which we'll get to in a second, because there's a little bit we have to talk about with that series because we have to talk about that. <laughs> um, I hate them so much. The Phillies, the Phillies in their like clubhouse like celebration after they won the NLDS said, um. And and there's language coming for those of you who are listening with young listeners said, fuck the Braves, fuck whoever we play next and always fuck the Mets. And so I'm glad that they reminded us like very quickly and immediately, like why we hate them after they serve their purpose of well, eliminating I'm the Braves. also a little bit flattered. Like, yeah, we live rent free like, in their heads. I, they're, they just advanced the, to the NLCS for the second year in a row and they're thinking about the Mets. It's a little confusing. <laughs> it's it's the closest feeling was when I was like, when I was cat called when I was six months pregnant and carrying a toddler. That <laughs> is kind of the same level of like flattered confusedness of like, what's happening here? Of like the Phillies sitting there being like, yeah, the Mets. Like, really? You're thinking about us. I, nice. In your clubhouse? Okay. Yeah. We're in your we're we're swimming around in your noggin, aren't we? That's great. Huh. And also, weird, like, but okay. What the hell did Rafael Ortega do to you? Yeah, no. My favorite tweet about this was um someone was like, "This man's about to play in the NLCS, and he's thinking about Dan Vogelbach and Danny Mendick." <laughs> like, really? You're concerned about Rafael Ortega? DJ Stewart was going to be a thing. Yeah. Speaking of my favorite tweet, I meant to shout out this tweet earlier, and this is about an earlier topic. My brain's all over the place today, but I want, I must shut out this tweet. It's probably my favorite tweet in ages, but <laughs> it was when Brody Van, uh, not Brody Van Wagen and Jesus, when, uh, when Billy Epler, when we found out about the, uh, about the injured list manipulation and the investigation, my favorite tweet about it was from, um, friend of the podcast and friend of, you know, Mason Avenue in general, uh, Jeff Paternostro, who tweeted, imagine you're Tommy Hunter and you come home to piles of subpoenas, <laughs> which is just perfect. I feel like Tommy Hunter would take it in stride. He, he really would. would. I, I, he's he's the right guy for that. He is, but I still feel bad for him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> for sure. He, he doesn't not, deserve that. Literally not paid enough for this. No. Literally not paid enough. 
Anyway, um, well, we if we're if we're on the topic of legendary tweets, we have to talk and about Maggie's the- legendary tweet. Yes. <laughs> oh, thank you, Maggie. Maybe my you. favorite tweet you've ever made in your entire life. <laughs> I know it's mine too. <laughs> you got a lot of love on Slack, but you probably didn't see. Oh, it's so good. Um. <laughs> But yeah, we do need to take a moment to discuss how the Braves are giant crybabies, which was encapsulated in Maggie's tweet, which was that the clitoris has over 10,000 nerve endings and it's not as sensitive. Or it's almost as sensitive as Braves fans, which was just chef's kiss. Perfect. Um, <laughs> the, the softest little baby corns. Like, I don't know what is going on with them. They're just so like... Soft. I don't, um, I don't understand. The entire Phillies Braves series was just the Braves fans being so soft. First, they no, whined the about fans. the playoff format. And it starts at the top, too, because the whole the team. I don't know what. I feel like the Braves. I, I, I feel like Braves fans are always that way. And I almost wonder if the team feeds off of that. Like also- that there's a constant sense of like entitlement and wrongness and like just I. Yeah, no, it's incredibly People unpleasant. get mad at us because we do racism and they- We they should be allowed it. to do the racism. We should be allowed to do that it's racist, pro- you guys. Prove it's really us racist. who are oppressed. It's really us who are oppressed. Oh, my favorite uh, Braves fan tweet during this whole like week of shenanigans was that one woman who ended up having to go private because she tweeted <laughs> that it's actually only racist when you mock the chop because the Braves fans are doing it with respect. And you all, when you mock it, are doing it with racism. Look, this is why you're never going to get me off of Twitter. I swear to God, I will go best. down with this ship because holy god you cannot so read funny. that anywhere else no but i think only my ever favorite, been written on twitter my favorite tweet was when blooper for some reason decided to pick a fight with phillies fans like first of all why second of all why Question above your weight class bro <laughs> yes blooper, for real okay. and so i saw mascot right there I saw one tweet that called him the white flight fanatic. <laughs> I mean, he basically is. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> that is the most perfect description of blooper I've ever Maybe read. that's why Braves fans are always pissy despite winning a gazillion games is because they have an extremely second-rate mascot. Yes. Yes. Embarrassing. Um, but the phrase is cool. I don't understand. <laughs> Oh man! It just it seems like the whole organization is just whiny crybabies. They really are. The mascot, the fans, the players. How dare these, sir? Yeah. So with the players, so there was the first. There was the whining about the playoff format, and uh, like every year, there's playoff format discourse, and this year, of course, was no exception. And whenever the uh, whenever the teams that win a lot of games in the regular season get bounced early, people start complaining about the playoff format. I said this last year when the 101 win Mets got eliminated in the wild card round. Like I don't know, Mets, you should have simply played better in September and won the division, or you should have simply played better in that wild card series where you got your ass kicked. Like. 
them's the breaks. Yeah. <laughs> that's well, and like that's as much as it pains Susan. me to say, as much as it pains me to say, the Astros serve a purpose in this whole situation yes. in terms of disproving all of that nonsense. They yeah, always have the buy. They like are and lead the division by a bazillion games every year. Like the Astros show up whatever the hell day it is, and they just absolutely destroy whatever's in front of them. No, it's machine. the Braves and the Dodgers that are like, it's too much of a like layover well, the Dodgers now. Just, the Dodgers just keep banking on old pitching, which, you know, gets them through most of the season real good. But at some point, they are going to have to get a younger pitcher. Well, yeah. Where was everybody in the 90s when this was the Braves' entire existence? Yeah. Like, I mean, the Braves remain salty that they won the division every year and they only won that one championship. Yeah. It's like, oh no, poor you. This is what they do. This is yeah. kind of their thing. But you know what? I'd if rather be them than us. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, and but also, you know they... what? No, I would rather be us, though, because we don't seem quite so miserable all the time. True. Us, we, with True. our team. Somehow. We manage to seem to enjoy ourselves every once in a while. And so I guess we win. <laughs> Yeah, but true. Nobody was crying over the 06 Mets who were beaten by one of the worst teams to ever to make fair, the playoffs. I cried a lot, but I, I wasn't too. like they should change that. I, I yeah, just I wasn't cried. like they should not let <laughs> yeah. wild cards in. Mostly just cry. Crying. <laughs> like, it, or the 01 Mariners who were one of the greatest teams of all time. And then they got upset. This is what sport is. There's upsets. There's underdogs. Or what's the point of watching sports? What's the point of having playoffs? Like, if you want to reward regular season success, just simply award the trophy to the team that has the best regular season record at the end of the season. Yeah. And don't have the playoffs then. I mean, I understand and a lot of former players, especially have been public and said, like, they do think that that kind of a layoff would affect them. And like, maybe so. But you know, what would also affect on that level is I would think walking around like you own the place for the whole season and just generally like not having a particular laser focus on the series at all and complaining about little things instead and playing slappily like it's not that they seemed overly rested it's that they seemed like they just figured they didn't have to try yeah yeah the braves the braves talked such big shit during during the whole regular season and now they're crying like little babies they're right where we are on our butts on the couch (laughs) yeah Let's be real. Praying for the Diamondbacks. <laughs> the Braves were the Braves were in a crappy division. Like really, what what and what adversity did they really face all season? Yeah. So well, there's the first a, sign of adversity. They fell apart. There's a tweet for everything. Um, as much as we hate Twitter.com these days, there is a tweet for everything, which is why we're never logging off. And in this case, there is a tweet for the Atlanta Braves, which is a, a classic tweet of recent renown. I dated a five foot eight guy who taunt every jacked six foot three bro he met until they pull up their uh, until they pull their fist back to beat him up. Whereupon my ex would go, hey, hey, come on. I'm a little guy. I'm just a little guy. No, it's also my birthday. I'm a little birthday boy. And it somehow always worked. That's the Atlanta Braves. 
Oh. That's literally the Atlanta Braves. Like they talk big shit all season. They have the best regular season record, blah, blah, blah. And then the second that anything goes wrong for them in the playoffs, it's like, I'm just a little guy. That's what the happened with the whole went off. The sprinklers. Yeah. The playoff format, the layover. And then it, it it happened with Orlando Arcia too. Yeah, I was going to say, we oh barely even touched on. Oh, what? we're touching on it now. <laughs> the sacred we're space. We're touching oh on it now. God, um, the the sanctity of the men's locker off. room in a sports arena. Oh, we're touching on it. So the other thing that happened was that no re- touching that, re- that <laughs> no revealed touching, the no touching, <laughs> no touching that revealed <laughs> the Braves to be baby Charmin soft. Uh, is that Orlando Arcia like? taunted said at a boy harper like taunted it's bryce harper a taunt. like i'll actually have arcia's back on this like that's nothing god i see that about like my children like it's not yeah. a taunt that's like it's not oh. a taunt it's the weakest taunt there could possibly it's, be it's, it's like, bad trash talk yeah um after and this was after harper got doubled up to end one of the playoff games after michael harris made like one of the best catches i've ever seen in center field and then uh that's how the braves won their one game in the ds against the phillies um it was an exciting win for them um and he was reacting to that and you know it was uh, you know he said it and it was reported because he said it out loud in front of a bunch of reporters at, in the clubhouse and then after it was reported he did the i'm just a little guy hey hey i'm just a little guy come on <laughs> because it, uh, immediately the braves were waxing poetic about the sacred space that is the clubhouse and the media shouldn't like report things and that like, are everything said. should be off the record unless they say it's on the record, even though that is the opposite of literally what not every how journalism works. Journalist. No, yeah, like, like that's what PR is. That's not journalism. All this tells me is that the Braves need to educate their players better about media literacy. My favorite thing about this whole thing, um, the it was uh Braves fans who were before. Before Arcia basically admitted to saying it, um, be- Braves fans who were like, there's no way he said that. He doesn't even speak English. Yeah, that was like, Whoo. and I was like, that was quite the self own. Because then he was like, yeah. I said it, but I didn't want him to hear it. Eh. Well, and then you have Darno near tears blaming the liberal media. Like, come on. <laughs> I made a tweet, like, which I'm it's like somebody put the the Braves team through AI to be like, come up with a really pathetic way for the Braves to end their series. Yeah, they even like the their Braves season. even transformed Travis Darno into a pathetic sack of a human being too. Yeah, oh. maybe he was always that. I don't know, but I don't recall him being such a baby when he played for the Mets. Well, and what? Yeah, no, worst? it's all there. I mean, this is why I feel like it's a it's a top down thing, and that's why I feel like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in that clubhouse, but it really doesn't feel like there's much leadership. Um, yeah. And like much focus on kind of the things that matter. Like I can't, can you imagine Buck Showalter answering questions for like three straight days about Attaboy Harper? I don't, he wouldn't do it. No. Yeah. yeah. He, he would, would shut it down. Yeah. Yeah. And Francisco Lindor would shut it down. Yeah. Yeah. My my but, shortstop would act with far more class than Orlando Arcio, who and then we are talking about literally the Mets. That's yes. not a high bar. Yeah, like the very high class New York Mets in comparison to this organization. Arcia started making faces at the Mets. 
Philly's fans. At the Phillies fans who were yelling at him. He started making faces back at them. Like, who freaking does that? Like, that's an elimination game. Like, this is the most high-pressure situation you find yourself in. And that's what you're worried about? Literally, Ronald Acuna. Acuna had to put his arm around his shoulder and get him to stop doing it. Like, Ronald Acuna is the voice of reason in, like, being demonstrative right now. He's exempt from my complaints about the Braves team no, because, because he, he avoided has, he, is, he handled himself quite well this whole off no this whole he avoided season. questions after the game yeah well and I mean, the no. media complained about it yeah which you faced the music i'm sorry you yeah. sucked you all to it francisco lindor was out there every damn day answering questions and after the playoffs too so don't give me it was a tough situation he was upset too damn bad the whole Braves organization just needs to grow the fuck up yeah, they really do. It's really, it's really kind of pathetic. Yeah. And the whole, and the worst, the worst thing I can't forgive him for is making me choose Bryce Harper in this situation. Oh my God, I, I was pulling for the Phillies so hard. It just made me sick. <laughs> yes. And my mom, my mom is from Philly. She's a big Phillies fan. She was just like, I don't care what happens. I just wanted them to take down those awful brands. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. I mean- at least you like your the Phillies fan that you know in real life. The yes. Phillies fan that I know in real life is kind of a jerk. And he's married to a friend of mine who is not at all a jerk. Oh and that sucks. So like that, that, yeah, you know, my best my best friend's it. a Phillies fan and I love her. So see that's nice to have to hold on to. I, I have I have family I love very much who is who are Dodgers fans. So I can always feel good about a Dodgers situation but no Phillies are rough man my whole family my whole mom's side of the family is Phillies fans and Eagles fans um anyway um on that note note, while we're making fun of like pathetic organizations uh we do have another entry in I took the form of a 45 year old white man for a reason I can never disappoint this week no never disappoints our favorite segment um this week in that segment we have uh Mariners general manager Jerry Depoto which oh boy he made some remarks um (laughs) which is uh let me just let me just read the remarks. This was in like the um the post game, basically not post game, like post season presser. Like basically, our season is over. Debrief press conference, which almost every team has one of those. The Mets had one of those, with which was the whole like Buck Showalter <laughs> firing Hi. things. Um, but anyway, in the Mariners one, Mariners did miss the playoffs. By the way, for those who didn't know that. Um, They were in contention for most of the season and missed the playoffs. So he said, quote, our job is to think more broadly. We're looking at a six to 10 year window. When I talk about sustainability, I can tell you that you're going to win the World Series. I can't tell you that we're going that you're going to win the World Series. I can tell you that if we win 54 percent of our games over the course of a decade, you're going to play in the World Series. Teams that do those things get in the World Series. Now that is true in the wild card now, and that is true in the wild card era. It is true in the divisional format dating back to 1969. You've got, I think, an 85 or 90 percent chance of winning the World Series if you make that your goal. If we make winning the World Series your goal, we will. Uh, if we make winning the World Series our goal, we will do insane things that will cut sustainability, uh, the sustainability part of the project short. That's not how. That's we some. Think. 
Billy Epler bullshit right there. No, I was just going to say the classic, same thing. Like, oh my god. Yeah. The- Remember when Epler was talking about how like, oh, increasing our World Series odds by 2%. 1%. This is the that same vibe. Is the same like same I shit. had to answer and used math to get there. The worst. Did they have, like a Zoom meeting where they come up with the, this stuff. Like, oh, worst, when you go Sandy Alderson is the grandfather of that, too. Yes. Make no mistake. The worst yes. money ball process nerd shit imaginable. Now, listen, do do most front offices probably think like this? And most executives? Yes. The answer is yes. But you don't and say there that are shit some to the fans. Who are paid to look to, to do that. Like, there are pe- people paid to do that part of it. But like, and also, if that's the only part of it, then there's a problem. Like you don't say that be... shit to the fans. No. Yeah. You don't say your Keep goal is to win house. 54% of your games over the course of 10 years. That's the dumbest thing. Also, like, you look at the, you look at the teams that have been consistent playoff contenders over the course of the past, you know, like four or five years. Those teams have higher average winning percentages than 54%, than 540. Yeah. They're better than 540. I'll just tell you that much. Like, it's... Uh, it's just And I think somebody figured it out that, like, over their past six years, they haven't had a winning percentage. They've been under 500. Yeah, they were yes. under 540. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So Talk you're not, not even reaching the that. bar. I no. mean, come on. Also, just, like, this whole, like... But, I mean, it. The, him saying that... Is it is indeed backed up by his actions because the Mariners are constantly trading players to get different players that could potentially improve their sustainability 10 years from now when like they were trading away players from a team that was in playoff contention. Like they're yeah. they're sacrificing shots at the playoffs right now because of their 10 year sustainability plan. <laughs> oh, <laughs> And when does that 10 years I mean, I start? Guess I like, I'll give him this. It seems like I he could, could sustain that. That seems really sustainable. That level like he's of always thinking do, about, like, yeah. He's I always thinking about 10 years games. from now. He's yeah. always thinking about 10 years from now. He's never thinking about now. And, like, that's the problem, is that you're never going to be successful that way when you're always thinking about 10 years in the future and you never think about right now. Yeah, like, when does the clock start? Ticking. When when was your ten year plan first implemented? Because right. it's not working. Yeah, I don't know. It's it was a really awful quote to give, and like even if you understand like kind of the reasoning behind what he's saying, that's not the type of stuff you just say in a press conference to fans who are like upset. Yeah, about like the fact that they missed the playoffs again. Like you can't tell Mariners fans that they just need to be a little more patient. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you got to think about the 10-year plan. It's like the Mariners have never made the World Series. Like, what? And yeah, they have one of the longest playoff droughts, I think, that they ended last year. I think they were the longest playoff drought going. Yeah, they that whole franchise just is such a mess. And it's it's a shame because it doesn't have to be. He did apologize, by the way, because people got so mad. (laughs) <laughs> I'm saying that. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, and first of all, like the, the real issue, if you want to get into like the math part and like the real pragmatic thing of what he's saying, the issue with it is that you can't actually shoot for 540. If like, yes, if what he's saying is mathematically true, that if you have a 540 winning percentage on average over the course of 10 years, meaning uh, some years you'll have a lot higher of a winning percentage than that and you might make the World Series, whatever. And some years you'll have a lower winning percentage than that, whatever. It all evens out. You can't actually shoot for 540. You have to shoot you have to shoot for higher. And then you'll probably like end up lower than what you shoot for. Because it's really it's really hard to win a lot of baseball games because baseball has a very large sample size. It's a very long season. You actually have to shoot for like 650 and then maybe you'll get 540 if you do that. Yeah, like that just seems like such a random statistic to just oh well 540 is the number we landed on, but why? Magic number. Somebody... It also reeks of like a data guy told it to him and explained the context and he didn't totally pick up <laughs> the nuance right. and just spat it back out. Yep. And the data guy is off to the side like, oh no, that's oh, not what God. I was saying. <laughs> that's not what I was actually saying. Like, no, you totally misinterpreted it. <laughs> yeah, it's just the type of thing that you like, you talk about in a meeting in the, in a, in the front office, but you don't like say that in a press conference. <laughs> like, just don't say that stuff. Too much you inside can- baseball. You can say that without saying it. I mean, it still wouldn't be great, but to like to say, oh, we're thinking about the 10 year sustainability plan, guys. Sorry about missing the playoffs again. Um, It's still not great, but you don't you don't get that into the weeds when you're just talking to like the media in a post in a press conference. Like, please stop. But how do these guys not know? I mean, they're all the same dudes. They all get recycled team to team because that's just how baseball is. Like, how do you not know how to give platitudes at this point? <laughs> you're in that job long enough. You're doing a pretty bad job at it because the Mariners have been bad for the past 10 years. And you had that's how you try to comfort angry fans. By- I actually will say that the one of the best I've ever seen at saying things that don't really mean anything was actually Brody Van Wagenen. Yes. Well, he was oh, the best yeah. car salesman that yes, ever that's existed. that's what it was. Yes. He was he, he just said platitudes all the time. Like, he, he said a lot of words that never meant anything. And somehow, yeah, I mean, if the Wilpons had given him some money to back it up, we might have never caught on to Brody Van Wagenen. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. Oh, man. <laughs> but, I mean, and Buck Walter with his, like, folksy sayings could also get away with it, I think, yep, too. Yep, yep. <laughs> but. Depoto like, should take some notes from Buck Walter and just say something folksy and move on. Yeah. <laughs> or just, you know, like I said, just offer some BS. Like, we're very upset. We're just as upset you are as you are the fans that this season didn't work out. We had a plan. You know, we had to deviate the plan from the plan when things didn't come in place. But we are, you know, we're still on track for our five year plan. <laughs> and we're hopeful that we're going to move the organization in the right direction. And then you end the press conference. <laughs> yeah, it's not that hard. <laughs> Make Linda a GM. <laughs> Let's go. 
Oh, man. Don't take the job, Linda. Horrible things will happen to you. Yes. Yeah, they'll probably try to hire a president (laughs) of baseball operations over you, even if you're successful and make the playoffs with their shitty poverty franchise. And this thing. (laughs) (laughs) So... Um, we learned, uh, the other day that Kimming will not be returning as Marlins GM, um, which was somewhat surprising since the Marlins, uh, were not very good yet still made the playoffs somehow. Um, the Marlins exercised her option, but it was a mutual option and she chose not to exercise the mutual option. Um, and it turns out that we learned it's because the uh the Marlins wanted to hire a president of baseball operations over her. So she basically got Billy Eplerd and she's too good for that. So she was like, nope, see ya. <laughs> good for her. Good for her. Yes. Yes. Good for her. You don't um, take that shit. A lot of people in the immediate aftermath of this, including me, by the way, for full transparency, were like, Mets, please hire her. Me but too. I I think Aww. I think it's probably unlikely given the fact that she left because she didn't want to be second in command to someone else. Totally Which understandable. Yeah. Um, and in at, at the Mets, uh, if she, if the Mets hired her, she would be second in command to someone else. So seems unlikely. I mean, the only reason why there's even some chance if at all is because the Mets can probably offer her the most money. And also like she'll unlike with the Marlins, she'll have resources to build the team she wants. So, but you know, it seems unlikely. The Red Sox also have an opening at this time, having fired Heim Bloom. Uh, but given similar to the Mets, given the amount of turnover that the Red Sox have had with their GMs, it it lessens the desirability of their of that position. <laughs> and also, I mean, she'd be walking into the same ship she walked in with the Marlins, like an order it doesn't want to spend. And yeah. it's and a little better, uh, like at least the Red yeah. Sox spend sometimes, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, please trade our franchise player. Yeah. 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 The, the Red Sox are at least a grown up team. And the Marlins are extremely not serious. Um, no, <laughs> they're fraud. We called it too. They were total frauds. They were total they're frauds. still total frauds. The yes. whole organization. Yes, indeed. I mean, they were they were also very injured going into the postseason. But... I don't care. Frauds. <laughs> frauds. Yeah, no, they are. Um, <laughs> but hopefully, um, Kimming lands on her feet somewhere else. God knows she deserves it. I say um, someone who values her hard work and i could even see her like i think there's a difference between being in a role and having somebody come in and now be your boss and like also take over some of the things that you were doing like i think there's a difference between that and coming into an organization into a role that like you can work out with the team if you are inclined to go there like i think there is a balance to finding that role that doesn't have that's you know not the same thing is like, okay, now you have a mega boss and your role is smaller. Like it's just a different, she has a lot more agency if she's coming into that position from the outside. Yes. Yes. Instead it's like with the Marlins, it's like, thank you for leading our poverty franchise to the playoffs. May we interest you in a demotion. I think we'll let a man take it from here. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> Thanks for everything. Kim. Oh my God. <laughs> oh boy. 
Um, and the, to the people that were like, well, she was just like a token hire or whatever. She worked in the front office. She worked in MLB for how long? She was overqualified. Yeah. I, I yeah, mean, she's any, incredibly good at what she does. Any man with her credentials would have gotten a GM position years and years yes, ago. Yes. Would probably be a PBO now. Yeah. Probably. probably. Yeah. And she yeah. could be too, for that matter. Yeah. Um, there was some rumor that uh, she was potentially interested in like a president role, like like a Sa- like what Sandy Alderson was with the Mets, um, like not op baseball ops, uh, but like president of the organization. Yeah, she, the, there was some like rumor that she was interested in that potentially, which she could do that somewhere else. Um, yeah, but we'll see what where she ends up. I'm sure she'll. End- I'm sure someone will hire her we'll well, i think that i saw a rumor today that they were like oh the white Sox should hire her jerry reinsdorf is never hiring her i'm sorry oh my god also please don't please don't expose her to the white Sox. no please don't go she's from... a precious commodity <laughs> yeah no, no there's no. only one of her please no don't go from a we don't need her jaded <laughs> please don't go from that fraudulent joke of an organization to like an even worse fraudulent joke of an organization <laughs> like God. And I want to like the White Sox. I don't I want do. to like the Marlins, but I do want to white, like oh, the White yeah, Sox. Oh, yeah, me too. They are not accommodating that desire on my part at all. Me neither. No, no. It's sad. It is sad. Um, So, in other news, uh, on a sort of similar front, um, the Giants, this is more positive, the Giants interviewed assistant coach Alyssa Nakin for their uh, their managerial role, which makes Yay. her, that we know of, the first woman to be interviewed to be Hell yeah! Manager. Yay! Awesome. I mean, talk about, like, runners-up prizes, but, like, it's something. It's still pretty cool. It um, is. And I mean, we don't know. Obviously, they're in their. Worth noting that the Giants seem to be much further in their process than the Mets. <laughs> but whatever. Um, the Giants uh, did pretty much interview like all of their on-field staff uh, for the manager role, which includes Alyssa. Um, but yeah, it's cool. It's just cool that she's being considered and that. You know, it seems it seems like we're not far away from having a woman as a manager. And also, she's been in that damn clubhouse for ten years. She's qualified. Yes, she's qualified. To, to every. Oh, you have to manage in the minors first. No, you do not. You know you who don't... didn't? You know who didn't manage in the minors first? Craig Council, the dude that you want managing the Mets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I I don't want to hear that shit. I do not want to hear that shit. The same dudes who were like, she's not qualified, didn't manage in the minor leagues, like, are like, we want Craig Council to manage the Mets. <laughs> Craig Council didn't manage in the minor leagues. Most and of he- the managers didn't manage what in the What could minors. it possibly be is the difference. Hmm, what could mm-hmm. it be? Hmm, I wonder. This is a toughie. By the way, um, Craig Council's contract, I think, officially expires like October 31st or something like that. And November so- 1st, he will be walking into <laughs> City Field. <laughs> so we won't hear anything on that front until then if if folks are wondering why the radio silence on that on that point. And that might be part of why the Mets are not as far in their search, at least that's been publicly reported. Um because they're kind of waiting to see what how the council situation plays out. I have no idea. 
Um, that's just conjecture on my part. Um, yeah. Uh, so the only other bit of um, MLB wide news is something that um, that just broke today, uh, which is a follow up on um, something we talked about on a, on the podcast last month, um, which is that the Supreme Court is hearing um, a case to uh, remove Major League Baseball's antitrust exemption. We talked about that last month. Uh, there's some news on that front, which is that the MLB Players Association filed an amicus brief to the Supreme Court supporting the overturn of the antitrust exemption. Uh, for those of you who are not lawyers, which includes all of us, <laughs> I do know at least a little bit because actually this is very well timed. I recently read a book about a supreme, a particular Supreme Court case, which is not related to this one in any way. It's a, a completely different one that serves my nerdy in- genetics interests. Uh, it was actually mm-hmm. for a work book club, but it was about um, the uh, my- uh, myriad v- genetics uh case that where where they patented the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes, which I think a lot of people are familiar with because of the Angelina Jolie thing and all of that. Uh, Yeah, I read a whole book about that Supreme Court case. So I read about a lot of the amicus briefs that were filed in that case. Um, And so I know a lot about like lawyering and amicus briefs right now. It's like swimming around in my noggin. Uh, So amicus briefs are just like thing like briefs that uh, that folks can submit uh, organizations, lawyers can submit on behalf of certain organizations, either like on one side or the other of a certain case that the judges just read beforehand, just kind of like read as supporting evidence. And they consider um, they consider these amicus briefs uh, when they're making their decision. But they sometimes they get brought up in arguments, uh, but sometimes they don't. Usually they don't. But yeah. Uh, it's it's noteworthy that the players' association is filing this amicus brief and comes uh, comes down on the side of removing the antitrust exemption. I mean, it's not surprising that uh, that this is the case because obviously uh, the the one side of the case is minor league baseball teams. Uh, so, but it, it 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 it's cool that the that the big league players association is supporting the removal of the antitrust exemption. Well, at least sure. things are moving in the right direction. Yeah. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but at least stuff is happening. Yeah. Um, and in, and in the brief, um, so Evan Drellich of the athletic, uh, reported this, um, and he, uh, highlighted a particular snippet of the brief. Uh, he also tweeted the link to the full brief, which you can read all the amicus, all the amicus briefs or all the Supreme court cases are publicly available. You can read them. Um, and he, but he, uh, put, uh, tweeted out a particular section of it. Uh, that says, quote, if the baseball exemption is allowed to continue Major League Baseball and its clubs will undoubtedly seek to rely on it for uh, uh, rely on it in further efforts to contract the number of minor league affiliates with corresponding negative effects on players, communities and baseball itself. So there's an implication that at least the Players Association believes. And I, you know, there's no reason to think that it's ground. It's without grounds that they believe this. Um, that they believe that uh, Major League Baseball will continue to contract the minor leagues if the antitrust exemption is not removed. So, if if this case 
um, if the if the league wins this case, we may very well see even more cuts to minor league teams, which would be really unfortunate. So more on that as it develops, we will see. But um, we will end the show this week with walk-off wins, where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Maggie Wiggin, what is your walk-off win for this week? Okay, I realize um, I'm I'm repeating a uh, walk-off win, but in my defense, I forgot about it until three minutes ago. But um, my walk-off win is Simone Biles! Again, apparently, Simone Biles. <laughs> I mean, in this case, it was for the world before it was for the, the U.S. championship. So I guess it makes sense. Um, but nevertheless, I remain incredibly impressed, not only with like everything Simone Biles does as a gymnast. Physically, it is incredible. If you haven't seen her gold medal beam routine, it's just like the most perfect beam routine anyone has ever done. She just oh, doesn't and- move. Have you it's seen that the- she started a new, um, she has a new move now? She has another Biles patented. Oh, yes, on the vault. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, my God. Like, how? Oh, how, how, how? Well, and, and, like, speaking of the vault, another thing, and obviously, like, all of that. Like, I admire her and adore her because she is so very, very talented, but also because under the biggest pressure that any of us has ever felt, she um, prioritized herself and her mental health before all yes. of it. And so for that, I will forever admire her. But, you know, and it, the but mentioning the vault, I think, is a great opportunity to also point out that she um, regularly destroys the competition in that event, um, despite the fact that she gets a deduction every single time automatically because she has her coach come in to spot her. Not because she is, you know, less talented than everyone else, but because she recognizes a risk and wants to take care of herself and her body. And that is, you know, that is like the ultimate champion. That is the ultimate fighter. And we should all be a little more like Simone Biles. Simone Biles rules. Oh my she God. Does. Oh, so I love cool. her so much. She's so cool. Um, Usually I go last and walk off wins, but I'm going to, I'm going to exercise privilege and go go next go for it because, because it's a it's a good transition because my walk-off win also involves a female athlete um so over the weekend uh I, it's kind of two walk-off wins I guess but it was just like that one walk-off win in the sense that I had a nice weekend um but the on Sunday um I went to the Washington Spirit game uh with my friend Sarah we had an awesome time um and the like honestly like the game itself went about as poorly as you can imagine oh, no um the Aww. spirit lost they oh, missed no. the playoffs because they lost um, and it was really sad um because you know this was a team very similar to the 2023 Mets in fact that had very high expectations for it going into the season and missed the playoffs um and has subsequently fired their coach so you know <laughs> very similar um, but it's, it's more, the walk-off win is just more about 
this season and the first season of me being like really into the spirit and just enjoying the hell out of attending games in person um, and loving the way that the NWSL as a league is growing. They announced three new expansion teams this year that will be uh, in the league next year. So it's just, it's just really cool. And the game that I attended yesterday set a new attendance record at, at Audi field for the spirit. And this was their first season playing in Audi field, which is the same uh, stadium that DC United, the men's team plays in Um, before that they had been playing. I forget where, like in some really shitty second rate place. (laughs) Um, And so they're, you know, and they, they drew, you know, over 15,000 fans. Uh, for the final game of the season, which is really impressive. And it's just been really cool to watch this league grow and to get to be a fan of this team um, and like get to root for actually one of the teams in the city that I live in, since I definitely can't root for the baseball team here <laughs> and I have no interest in doing so. Um, it's been cool to get into the spirit and I have just really enjoyed uh, attending their games so yeah support women's sports folks support female athletes like they are so they're doing such great stuff and i love watching them and they have the spirit have five players from the u.s women's national team on their team so you know you you want to watch these players that you watch on tv in the world cup you can watch them anytime you want they play in the nwsl and that includes players that are on world cup teams for other countries there are many many other like players from other countries who play in the nwsl because unlike in the men's game the best players in women's soccer play in america and so you have the chance to watch the best players in the world playing you know um so it's it's cool and i had a good time despite despite the fact that it was a heartbreaker but it was cool that the other cool thing about the NWSL, in addition to just the fact that it's growing and it's exciting and it's drawing a lot of fan interest, is that the league has incredible parity. And so this year, going into the final game of the season, I think it was only like the top one or two teams that had clinched and like maybe one team that was eliminated. Everybody else had the chance to make the playoffs. Everybody else. And the seeding was not determined. So much chaos. There was like a nine point spread between like 12 teams. (laughs) Oh my God. It was wild or 10 teams. I think it was wild. So like, Every it was uh, someone my favorite tweet about it. Someone tweeted a video that was like a kind of a series of screenshots that they had taken of the standings, because when you like Google like NWSL standings or whatever, it updates live, like as the scores are happening, like as the games are progressing. So it's almost like if these scores stay as they are right now, here's what the standings will be. Right. So they they took a series of screenshots of how the standings changed throughout the day, the final day of the season, as all the teams were playing, and it shuffled like like many many times. <laughs> like it was like this team moved into sixth, and this team moved down to eighth, and then this team moved up to third, and it was like moving, moving, moving the whole day. It was crazy. It was so cool, and so to have a league with that much parity, it makes the season really really exciting. Um, I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, the spirit started the day i think the top six teams make the playoffs and the top two teams get a bye in the first round the spirit started the day in i think fifth position and ended the day in eighth position oh which is crazy like all that happened was that they lost one game right but like that's that's how much it moved right 
So it was it was crazy. Um, and Angel City FC, I think, won their final 11 matches. They were in last place. Oh, my God. Um, and they wow. won their final 11 matches to make the playoffs. Um, absolute absolute madness and chaos, uh, and which is what I love. It, it's it was almost like a bunch of game one. Sixty threes were all happening all at once. Like it. it, it yeah, it was just really cool. Watch the NWSL. It's really fun. <laughs> well, I heard that the New York, New Jersey, Gotham, is that it, that they made yes, the playoffs? they did. That's yeah. correct. So the uh, local team did make our local yes, team. Yes. Uh, New, uh, New Jersey, uh, New York, Gotham FC did make the playoffs. So uh, I will be supporting them in the playoffs. So, yeah. Uh, I guess the other half of my walk-off win is that on Saturday, Michael and I went to Snallygaster, which is DC's biggest beer festival. Um, and it ranged the whole time, but we still had a great time. <laughs> I'll make that part of the walk-off win short. I love beer festivals. Had a great time. It was awesome. Tasted a bunch of delicious beer. Can't can't go wrong there. Linda Servich, what is your walk-off win for this week? I don't know because I've had COVID the past two weeks. <laughs> And it was the first time I had it, and it was awful. I'm st- I still oh, don't have energy back. Um, like I can get up and do things, and then I get really, really tired. <laughs> um, so thank you for making me angry, MLB, because I'm tired. <laughs> um, but I guess that hockey's back. Um, yeah, that's a good walk off win. Yeah, they, the Rangers had their home opener, and they won, which was good, but. I mean, it's only been three games and my blood pressure is already up. They just drive me crazy. But for the most part, they have a new coach and they seem more structured with him. He's giving their younger players more time to like develop. Like when they make a mistake, he doesn't immediately punish them like their old coach did. So I feel like he's letting them, you know, breathe a little bit and they don't have to be so scared about making a mistake all the time. Um, so, you know, they've won two out of the first three games. They've looked okay so far. But like I said, I want the Rangers out because when I see a tweet, I'm like, well, the Rangers don't look so good. I'm like, oh, I thought they played okay. And then I realize we're not talking about the same Rangers. You know, it's the off season because all three of our, um, all three of our walk-off wins were about other sports. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Other sports. Um, although soccer's about to be over too. So I'm going to enter my like truly dark period. The where, dark days. The dark, dark days, days where I have to like care about the Knicks, I guess. The Knicks. Yeah. Is um, it the winter meetings yet? Yeah. <laughs> we're getting there, I think. My fantasy football team's in first place. I think uh, that's good. I got really amped about the Jets beating the Eagles because I was like, at least the Philly, at least the Philly fans will be humbled ever so slightly. Although but- they had an issue today because I think the Flyers were playing and the Phillies are playing and it's all in the same complex and you all have to go in the same way. And Oof. then the when the Eagles and Phillies are playing, good luck. Good freaking luck. You'll be, the game. Yeah, you'll be sitting on 95 for hours. Take a SEPTA, I guess. Yeah. This, although I learned when I, because I went to the, when I went to the Beyonce concert that was in Philly and I learned that SEPTA is not equipped to handle crowds of that magnitude. So oh, no, no. SEPTA is not good. Definitely no. not. No, no, me just. <laughs> so, um, so I, I, you know, I caught up on 
reading. I, I finally read Killers of the Flower Moon. There you go. In preparation for the film. Good start. Yes. Uh, I mean, the book is, it's very well written. It's just awful because of what <laughs> happens in it. Uh, yes. It's, like the content is awful. Like it's a good, good book, but it's just a tough read. Horrible. Yes. It's absolutely horrible. And I don't know how they're going to turn this into a movie, but it's also like, you kind of also, you think this is American history. Like this happened to, Native Americans, so I mean, you do need to know it, but ugh, yeah, it was a tough read, but uh, it was good. But <laughs> my one issue is the Leonardo DiCaprio was way too old to play the main character, way too old. <laughs> 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 he's, he, I mean, he's way too old for the women he dates, too, but it eh, doesn't yeah. stop him. That's true. Well, so, there but, we go. Yeah, so, my, my I would suggest avoiding COVID at all costs, but if you do get it, there are ways to cope with it, like reading. And I watched Ghosts. I've been, uh, and I, I caught up on Abbott Elementary, which was also really good. There you oh, go. Love Abbott yes. Elementary. Yeah, so I finally finished Abbott Elementary and then I moved on to Ghosts because I needed some lighthearted stuff. And one of the characters in Ghosts is a Mets fan. One of the good, one of the palate cleanser. Yeah, you always got to follow up. I always used to, whenever I was consuming like very bleak content, always used to alternate it with a comedy. Like you do, yeah, you absolutely have to. Like when I watched the first season of um, *Handmaid's Tale*, I had to watch uh, like the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt (laughs) just to like (laughs) for a little. The mental brain yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. So I recommend Abbott Elementary and Ghosts if anybody needs some needs some fluff in their life. <laughs> or some feel good. I should say feel good, not fluff. Yeah. Just like that little, you know, boost that we we could all use from time to time. Yeah. I think I think given everything that's going on right now, a good life motto is that we can't turn away from atrocities and pretend that they aren't happening, but we do need to be kind to ourselves. Yes. And not just doom scroll all day. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Anyway, that does it for the show this week. Um, you could go to homerunapplesauce.com to check out all of our fantastic pods. You can follow Home Run Applesauce on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram at HR Applesauce. You can support our work on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash home run applesauce. You can get in contact with the show by email own at gmail.com. You can find this show on social media as well. Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, and TikTok at a pod of their own. You can follow each of us on Twitter and Blue Sky. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you leave a review, it it really helps people find the show as well. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there's no crying 